Ladies and gentlemen, the show we've all been waiting for. Paranormal Buzz Radio is proud to present IREP Paranormal and Friends with your hosts, Kim Purvis and Allison Robinson. Live every Thursday night on Spreaker, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, 5 Pacific. Be sure to check out their Facebook page, REP Paranormal Busters. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of Paranormal Buzz Radio or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is strictly prohibited. For information on everything Paranormal Buzz Radio has to offer, visit our website, ParanormalBuzzRadio.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Listener discretion is advised. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another night of R.A.P. Paranormal and Friends. Um, we have a special guest tonight who is a paranormal investigator and author of The Hayes House, Ghosts Are Humans Too. So, people well, too. Or people too. Humans. I don't know why I said humans. <laughs> I just typed it into the... I just typed it in. Are people too. Uh, so, we have Keith Evans tonight, so welcome. Thanks. <laughs> it's nice to be here. Good. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Very well, very well. How's the weather where you're at? It looks like you might get some rain. It's been pouring here all day long. For the last two days. Yeah, for like the last two days. Uh-oh. Yeah. I'm ready for some sunshine. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, so, um, you have a bachelor's degree in chemistry. You're a retired forensic scientist, too. Is that correct? Yes. And then you've also are a paranormal investigator and an author. Is there anything that you don't do? <laughs> <laughs> I guess there are some things. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been kind of communicating with the paranormal for quite a while. When did this all start for you? I guess when I was a child, I was always interested in um, anything old. I always, I don't know, got enjoyment out of, like, say, the old wood old uh, trim on a house, uh, anything that had been there for a long time. And I, I couldn't understand why it brought me such joy because personally I wasn't uh, all that crazy about, you know, wood. And I thought, well, I like it. And, you know, my parents would look at me like I was crazy. Why is a four-year-old liking wood, you know? Yeah. And I think what I was feeling was, all the individuals who had owned the older homes mm -hmm. and I felt what they loved. They probably, you know, a lot of the old wainscoting uh, wood mm -hmm. uh, was kind of like the lower area wood in um, heavily traveled areas like hallways and uh, dining rooms and kitchens. Mm -hmm. And most people had it either oiled to the point or, if that it was shiny or they either uh, varnished it till it was shiny. Mm -hmm. But to me, I just thought that was so nice because uh, most of the homes that I lived in when I was growing up had, um, I guess you could call it, uh, you know, drywall, just the, the modern type uh, drywall with paint on it. And that didn't really do much for me at all. So I think what I was doing as an empath is feeling the joy and the pride 
that mm -hmm. this wood and decorations on the interior and exterior of the older homes had brought their owners over the years. And I guess that would be my first uh, inclination that I was picking up on stuff, even though it was years later before I found out what the word empath meant. Oh, mm -hmm. and um, so I guess I was probably three or four when I started enjoying older stuff. And my parents uh, were very much into has to be modern or we're throwing it out. Mm -hmm. They didn't oh. like anything old. And I grew up in the 60s and the early 70s. Mm -hmm. See, I like I like I the like, older style I things, too. I like the too. older wood and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I do, too. And, you know, Victorian and things like that. I, I love the detail and stuff that they had back then. Um, and all the craftsmen it took to carve some of that stuff out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. As a three or four year old, yeah. most three or four year olds aren't tuning into it the way that I did. Right. Um, so anyway, that was my first sign that I was a little bit different than the other uh, children. Mm -hmm. And um, now as I uh, have become older, I, I feel it was because of my uh, empathic ability, abilities that I was picking up on uh, the joy that this uh, interior wood had actually brought other people who had lived there throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was feeling their strong emotions, whether it was when they were alive or after their death, but I was picking up on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me into uh, the paranormal. I, uh, I didn't find out until I was like 12 or 13 and mm -hmm. I know this because I was talking to my grandfather about it, and I'd never really mentioned it because uh, I was kind of like going behind my mother's back and uh, uh, going with an aunt to see a uh, a train wreck that had taken place. And I thought it had uh, taken place around 1962. Uh, and I told my grandfather about it because I knew he wouldn't tell my mother. And then he looked at me really funny, and uh, he said, well, what did this lady look like that took you to the train wreck? Uh -huh. And I told him that it was my um, Aunt Virgie and Aunt Ada were still alive, so I, I knew what they looked like when I was 13. Mm -hmm. And I knew that the lady that took me to the train wreck mm -hmm. didn't look like neither my Aunt Virgie or my Aunt Ada, and I figured she couldn't have changed that much from 1962 until uh, – uh, about 72 was the uh, period of time that I told my grandfather. And um, he, he, I told him that the lady that took me to the train wreck was a cross between my uh, uh, Aunt Virgie and my Aunt Ada. And uh -huh. he said, well, that was his mother, oh, which wow. is my great-grandmother on my mother's side. Uh -huh. And uh, she passed away when my grandfather was uh, – probably eight or nine years old. Oh, wow. So uh, it was one of those things. I didn't realize going to the train wreck was anything other than me not staying in bed. I used to always wake up early. I, I would wake up hungry around 8 a.m. Uh -huh. And my mother slept late, at least until 10. And she had a rule that I wasn't allowed to get out of uh, bed and, you know, do anything. I wasn't allowed oh, to go outside God. and play. Uh-huh. And um, so anyway, when my aunt came into the room, um, I, you know, I explained to her, I thought it was my Aunt Virgie or my Aunt Ada at the time. Mm -hmm. And I explained to her that I wasn't allowed to, you know, leave the house until my mother got up. And I knew that my mother wasn't uh, getting along with neither of my aunts at the time. Mm -hmm. So I told her I didn't want to get in trouble. And this was when I was like three or four, I probably four, I, I would imagine, and she she said, no, you'll be all right. We'll be back before she wakes up. So her and I walked up, as I remember, this, of course, I was four years old. We walked up about a quarter of a mile up the track uh, to where the train wreck was. And uh, the cars were kind of off on their side, strung through an area that was a uh, open shed cannon factory. And um uh, 
you know, that, that was pretty much it. And we walked back and I, I had heard uh, the adults talking about the train wreck and I had asked them questions about it and they wouldn't answer me. They told me to go uh -huh. play with the kids. And uh, I was interested in the train wreck. I was never interested in what uh, the children were doing. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Uh, to be able to go and see the train wreck to me was just fantastic. As a four-year-old, how many four-year-olds are interested in train wrecks? Yeah, not and, very uh, many. So anyway, when I got back, uh, I got in bed, and then my aunt left, and uh, my mother hadn't woke up, and I thought, good, I got over on her, and I got <laughs> to see the train wreck. Of course, yeah. nobody, no, nobody at the time when I was four years old spoke up and said, Keith, the train wreck, you can't see it. It happened before you were born. But I didn't find that out until I was 13. Oh, and then my grandfather yes. told me. Oh, wow. And then him and I never talked about it uh, again. And uh, he was killed shortly after that in an auto accident. Oh, no. So I would have loved for him to have lived longer and for him and I to have a follow-up conversation about that. But that didn't happen. Oh. oh, yeah, that's too bad. But yeah, that's that's interesting that you say, you know, when you're four that you're interested in all those things because, I mean, do you think maybe it was something from like a past life too? Like, could you, you know how some some children, they like talk about all these things, but really they were actually there, like they were reincarnated or something to that effect? Well, as a possibility, I mean, it, anything's possible. Right. But I, I feel that somehow my uh, grandfather's mother, my great-grandmother, somehow wanted to show me. And I think through her thoughts and feelings, I think that was one way that she was able to take me to the train wreck. Somehow... I think once we pass away, we're just electromagnetic energy. Mm -hmm. And I think she was able to somehow transmit that into my brain so I could see, hear, and feel it just like I was doing it. But I I, I would imagine as a four-year-old, walking a quarter of a mile is a pretty good hike. Right. And um, it didn't seem like it was all that exhausting to me. Uh -huh. So I think somehow she might have transmitted it into my brain mm -hmm. without, you know, me even leaving the room. Oh, yeah. But then again, it, it could have been a uh, past life event. Mm -hmm. There's two possibilities that mm -hmm. that I could uh, draw, you know, that could have happened. Right. Yeah. That's very interesting. I I don't think I ever had anything quite like that when I was younger. I mean, I know I used to say weird things to my mom like I'd just go up to her randomly and be like you know can I go home now and she didn't understand me or I'd talk random things to her but it's it's always interesting to hear that when somebody has experiences at that such young of an age because you know where do they actually come up with that stuff it's just it's mind-boggling to me like how do they actually get that information are they getting it from, you know, a relative or a spirit or reincarnation? It's just stuff that I always constantly think about. And you just, you really, you don't know where it always comes from. But. Well, I knew my, my father told me that I looked a lot like my uh, grandfather on my father's side. And he passed away two years before I was born. And um, even my uncles would say that I was a, a splitting image of him, except I'm uh, about maybe three or four inches shorter than he was. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So, you know, I, I think reincarnation is, is definitely uh, possible. I think as a uh, ghost or a spirit, mm -hmm. I think we can come back into uh, other people's, uh, you know, into a, a newborn's body. In fact, mm -hmm. every newborn might just be a recycled spirit, yeah, you know, that right. has passed away prior. Mm -hmm. That is a possibility. It really actually is. Nobody actually really, really knows at this point, but it, like you said, anything is possible. I agree. 
And I have had uh, situations, you were talking about how you would say things to your mother and you, your mother was wondering, you know, why you were saying you wanted to go home. I've had situations where people would ask questions about, say, a situation that I was never in and I would answer them mm-hmm. and I would answer them correct. Uh-huh. And I would say, what did I say, you know, and they'd say, what was that word you just said? Mm-hmm. And I would say, I'm not sure. But it would be like someone else was answering through me. me. Oh, my goodness. The the time that happened, uh, I was with uh, um, a friend and uh, someone that he knew that I just first met. Uh And both of them were Vietnam veterans. And this was like in the early to mid 90s. And they were talking about Vietnam and uh, they couldn't remember the name of this one village. Uh-huh. It was a small village, and uh-huh. uh, it had a Vietnamese name, which is pronounced different than, you know, the English-type words. And out of my mouth came the name. And the guy said, how could you know that unless you were there? And I said, I don't know. I'm not sure what I just said. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, that that surprised even me. Uh-huh. I thought they were, like, messing with me, you know, uh-huh. you know, because some people fun like that right and then after you know the one guy that i was friends with he asked me about that he said keith how did you know that uh-huh. you know he was like questioning you had to be there to know that and i said no i i've, I've never been in a combat situation i've been in the military but mm-hmm. never a combat situation any place uh-huh. and he said i still don't understand how you knew that and i told him i i know i said something and it came out of my mouth but I wasn't even sure what I had said after I had said it. Oh, wow. So, and that surprised me. So it's almost like if you're an empath, there's a possibility that ghosts and spirits can use you as an avenue to mm-hmm. speak and uh, mm-hmm. to get points across. Mm-hmm. And um, it'd be nice if more people would study that. Mm-hmm. And I would say for me, Sometimes more things happen when I'm not doing a paranormal uh, investigation or session or Mm -hmm. research at a location. Sometimes when I'm just at home, things will happen that, uh, you know, a lot of times I don't even take time to document it or write it down or, you know, because you just don't have enough hours in the day. Right. Yeah. Excuse me. I had a sneeze there for a second. I was trying to hold it in. It never fails. Every show I have to, I always have a sneeze in there somewhere. <laughs> I have allergies, but when my allergies kick in, uh-huh. it'll just, like I have this terrible itching in my throat oh. and I can just call for like five minutes and it's no congestion. It's just that itching in the top oh. of my throat. Oh, damn, and, that's uh, the worst. I'm dying or something, but I'm not. <laughs> that is the worst. All I right. agree. <laughs> well, let's let's talk a little bit about your book. Um, for those that are in chat and listening, um, why don't you kind of describe what your book is about? Well, my book, uh, The Hayes House, Ghost or People 2, It's just a a regular Victorian home that was built in uh, 1908 by Jeff Buck. And he had five children and he lived at the Hayes house from the time he built it in 1908 until uh, he passed away in 1921. And after that, the next family that moved in was in 1945. And that was the Hayes family. And the last Hayes family member uh, lived there until she sold the house, and that was Kathleen Hayes, and she sold the house in uh, 1996. So nothing uh, negative or outrageous happened there. It was just Mm -hmm. a family home for uh, close to 100 years. And both families that lived there uh, were, you know, dedicated to the house and loved the house. And uh, I think that their ghosts and spirits are there as what I call the guardian angel type ghost of spirit, mm-hmm. wanting to look out for it 
and wanting the best for the house because that was the place that they spent the majority of their life or the best parts of their life for the Buck family. And um, I think they're still looking after it. And after I got there and seeing that uh, there was like, you know, six or seven main ghosts of spirits mm-hmm. and that uh, uh, some people think that ghosts of spirits are trapped, but they're not trapped there. They can come and go as they please, but they choose when they're on earth mm-hmm. or at least within the physical rim, they choose to hang out at the Hayes house and look after it. And uh, I just thought that was something that should be written about because most people want to write about the like a horror movie story of oh, paranormal. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been involved in the paranormal, I guess ever since I was three or four. Right. And I, I haven't seen the negativeness. Now mm-hmm. I've seen negativeness when mm-hmm. it comes to human beings. Oh yeah. But when it comes to dead or, or spirits or ghosts, haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying that if there are good and evil living people, mm-hmm. sure, there can be good and living dead people also. Right. So, but I haven't seen it. And I just thought we should equal the playing field and show some of the positive things about paranormal. And that's what I like to do. I like to uh, look at the positive side. And mm-hmm. uh, if negativeness happens, and I'll deal with that when it comes. But I try to go to places that were well loved. And I know most of the older Victorian homes, whoever owned them, had to have a a good bit of financial backing to be able to purchase one in the first place. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And they they usually took care of it, and uh, it was like the pride and joy of their life. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a lot of positiveness if you can find a single-family dwelling where you had – at least one or two families have stayed there 20, 30, 40 years. And uh, Kathleen Hayes, she had been there over uh, 50 years before she uh, went into a nursing home. Wow. That's insane. Now, where where well, is... If there's anyone else out there who has a Victorian home and uh-huh. would like to give me written permission to do paranormal research at their home. Oh yeah. As I have funding available, mm-hmm. you know, I would try to get to that location, but I would like to get the consent agreement form signed up front. And usually what I uh, would like to do with the footage or data that I received from doing the paranormal research uh, mm-hmm. on the premises, mm-hmm. I would like to use it for either a book, future book, TV program or movie and definitely uh, for social media. So if there's anyone listening who, uh, you know, if the light bulb goes off in their head and they're interested, Mm -hmm. I'm on uh, Facebook and I'm on Instagram and uh, they can uh, get in touch with me. (laughs) And uh, You know, my email is uh, Mm petcat2006 at Mm yahoo.com. And, uh, I can always send them the consent agreement form electronically uh, through the email, and then they can print it out, sign it, and mail it back. They just have to be the owner, and if it's a business, they have to Mm -hmm. be the owner and the uh, proprietor of the business. They have to own the business and a real property for me to be able to uh, use the footage in any type of book, TV show, and or movie. And of course, social media. Right. Sorry to interrupt you there. I no, that's fine. Yeah, get that information out there. I mean, we have listeners all over. We have them in the country, out of the country, everywhere. So um, it's good to get that out there. So that way, if somebody does know a place, um, because I mean, a lot of these places, you know, they don't get preserved like they should, too. And yes. so maybe if, if, you know, you get the information out there, then more people will preserve these beautiful Victorian places to what they should be instead of just letting them go or demolishing them, as you see with so many Victorian places or even other, you know, buildings that, you know, are still neat structures and stuff, but yet they just end up demolishing them when, you know, they could possibly be preserved. 
And it's very important to preserve as much of the interior and exterior wood because like the stone tape theory, Mm -hmm. I feel that any residual energy will be lost if you replace the, uh, say, like the hardwood floors or the uh, horizontal Mm -hmm. tongue and groove uh, wall boards or the tongue and groove ceiling boards. If you replace that and put in drywall and paint it, residual energy is gone. Mm -hmm. And I also feel that any type of uh, ghost or spirit that is intelligent Mm -hmm. might lose interest in the place if it doesn't look like the home they lived in. Mm -hmm. And then you lose that guardian angel type ghost or spirit that's looking out for the structure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very important to preserve as much of the interior wood Mm -hmm. and exterior wood of all the older structures, whether it be the the Victorian style homes that were built between the 1880s and the 1920s or mm-hmm. any, any structure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is a good point. That is a good, I mean, that is a good, good idea to do as well. Like I love to drive and around and just see these places too. I would love to have a TV show and just, zero in on only Victorian homes as far as the uh, paranormal behind uh, the home and also the preservation of the home. Some of these homes have uh, uh, really beautiful decorative uh, fireplace mantles. Uh, Also, for instance, at the Hayes house, the first floor, uh, there's two fireplaces with a double type fireplace, uh, a front and a back fireplace for the four uh, rooms on the first floor. Uh, I would say the front rooms and the middle room on the first floor. And all four fireplaces are very decorative. And you don't see that too much uh, no. when it comes to modern day fireplaces. And mm-hmm. the Hayes house also had uh, very decorative uh when it comes to the uh, skeleton key type doorknobs and the key base plate, mm-hmm. which was the metal around where the skeleton key would go in. Very decorative. It almost looked like some type of Christmas scene until I, I took a close-up picture and examined it. And it's not a Christmas scene, but it's very decorative. I don't know what the style was called huh. or yeah. what it was called. At the time. But, um, other than that, the, the Hayes house is not all that flamboyant. Uh, mm-hmm. The stairway is not very decorative. It's just certain things were very decorative. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the uh, around the fireplace and uh, the flooring on the fireplace out in front, you know, to keep the hardwood floor from catching on fire. Mm-hmm. That was like a decorative type uh, marble that was made uh, from a company. I think it was in, if I remember correctly, uh, Louisiana and uh, New Orleans. And they made like a marble style. It looked like marble to me, even though I talked to some people that said it really wasn't marble. But whatever it was, it looked uh-huh. like marble. And uh, it was a very decorative and colorful uh, tile. And just about all the rooms on the first floor and some of the rooms on the, uh, I'm pretty sure all the rooms on the uh, um, second floor have the tile around the uh, wall, but not on the uh, floor. I don't know whether it was replaced or cemented Mm -hmm. over or what. But they, they have it around the uh, the wall opening on the fireplace so that it wouldn't heat up and catch on fire. Right, right. So it had to be some type of uh, fire-resistant tile. Wow. Hmm. I didn't realize they would have something like that back then. Yes, they, they had to. Otherwise, you know, the, the fireplace would have probably caught the house on fire. Something. Yeah. That, is that was their only way of eating home back then. Excuse me. Okay, I held it in. 
<laughs> I had another sneeze coming on, but I held it in. All right, let's see here. I know we have some questions. I've been, Kim and I have been kind of keeping track of uh, chat here, and we've had some questions that are coming in. Shay wanted to know where can people find your book? Uh, my book is uh, available online at uh, Amazon, um, Books a Billion, and Barnes and Noble. Okay. And some of the second and Charles stores can also uh, you can order at their location also. Okay. Great. Amazon. Writing some of these down here. All right, so let's see here. Any more questions? Yep, there's more questions here. Oh, I'm sorry. grabbing the notebook from Kim here. All right, um, let's see here. One question is, what's been your favorite paranormal location that you have read about? Hmm. I'm trying to think as far as um, I can't think of any anything off the bat that I read about mm -hmm. say in a book but as far as a newspaper uh -huh. um, there's a um uh, uh, I think it's pronounced Bozer. Okay. B O Z I E R. It was a school for boys in Mariana, mm -hmm. Florida. And I had read about that. Uh, I don't know if it was in a newspaper or whether it was in a, uh, a journal or an mm -hmm. article, but uh, the University of South Florida, um, their PhD students did uh, research there as far as trying to find uh, the burial locations of young men who had passed away and did not have family uh, with funds to bury them. And a lot of them were buried there at the school. Oh, wow. Uh, and it was, it was kind of like a prison for children in many ways. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, sad situations of abuse and, you know, the the young boys being killed while they were there. So it's a hard spot for anyone to get permission to do paranormal research. But that was one place that I thought I might be able to, you know, utilize my skill to see if the ghost of spirits wanted to tell me where they were buried at. Oh. And I thought, I'd love to give that a try. Oh, yeah. You know, I don't really, I just like to be able to identify where they're at because, mm -hmm. you know, most people just say, all right, I want to buy the land. I want to develop it. And whatever's in the ground stays in the ground. Yeah. And to me, that's not good because someone's going to buy a business or a house. And if a ghost or spirit is buried there, they might be a little, they might feel disrespected. And a lot of times, uh, these young men didn't have anyone in their corner. And a lot of times when you don't have anyone in your corner and you don't have a lot of financial uh, help, sometimes you get railroaded. And um, I think it's sad. And I would just like to, if I could, you know, assist in finding any of those graves so that... Uh, you know, it'd be nice if they could make like a little park and just mm -hmm. put up, right. you know, one small tombstone and to honor the uh, young men at this Bozier mm -hmm. uh, for boys mm -hmm. that, you know, are unnamed and uh, mm -hmm. kind of give a little bit of uh, honor to them, mm -hmm. you right. know, just in memory of the fact that they were alive and they, you know, had human dignity dignity like everyone else mm -hmm. but it's been trying to get that it's like pulling teeth um, right now part of the location is open 
Uh, mm-hmm. The road is very bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the only thing I see going on back there is a training area for uh, law enforcement. So, but there's no signs that say you can't drive back there. And right. uh, mm-hmm. I was able to drive back. And uh, from the road I was on, I took pictures of the old church. The old church, I, I'd, I'd love to go closer, but I didn't want to get too far out of my uh, car just in case, you know, they want to try to say trespassing because I don't have permission. But if there's an open road going there and they tore down the fence and the uh, guard shack that was out front mm-hmm. about two years ago when I last tried to uh, find out information about doing paranormal research there. Mm-hmm. They had a security guard at the fence, and the road that I drove down today was mm-hmm. blocked off by a uh, fence and a gate. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hmm. I wonder what, why all of a sudden they decided to do that. Or people, like, trespassing? As far or? as do what? what uh, the, you said, yeah. Well, it had been fenced off for years. Uh, uh-huh. Ever since I, ever since I remember uh, seeing it uh, when I first moved to Florida oh, uh-huh. in uh, the nineties. Uh, what is new from two years ago is that they took the fence down. Uh, the fence is still up uh, along part of the highway, mm-hmm. but the fence up front where the guard shack was is no longer there. Oh, okay, gotcha. It, okay, back. I didn't I didn't drive that far back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I the it was a, a older brick, good size guard shack. That's uh-huh. gone now. Huh. And somebody just tore it down. It's no wow. longer there. Wow. So where I <laughs> drove to 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 where the church is located, that was all within fence. You couldn't get to it by driving. Oh, wow. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I wonder they leave it up for years. It's just another thing. Like, you know, you see all these other buildings that, you know, just stand there and all of a sudden they just, just decide Technology, to... Technology, got to move on with the times. They got to tear everything down. Yeah, they got to tear everything down and make everything modern. Make room for new shopping malls or whatever else they do nowadays, it seems like. Well, I've talked to uh, the local uh, security guards that have worked there in the past, and they Uh said that there was always a paranormal activity going on. They said that, uh, you know, as a security guard, you have to make sure doors are locked. And they said that they would lock doors and come back an hour later and it would be unlocked. Uh, some of them uh, said that uh, they would always uh, a voice would always say supervisors near or something like that because uh, in most places your supervisor when you're a security guard I've done that job in the past Mm -hmm. you'll have a area supervisor that'll check in on uh, you know several locations a night Mm -hmm. And different security guards said that they would hear it with their own ears, a ghost or a spirit or something, uh-huh. say secu- supervisor's near, and guess what? Supervisor would come up. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was nothing bad other than the fact that um, doors that the security guards said they had locked were found unlocked hour later. Mm -hmm. And if the supervisor starts checking doors and they're not locked, then they're going to think you're not doing your job. So that could be bad. So, but anyway, I just thought that was interesting. And I had spoken with uh, uh, more than one uh, security guard that had told me that. That's crazy. I feel it's it's probably paranormal and uh uh-huh. Oh yeah. When most people most people want to be afraid of something that's unexplained, but 
if something is unexplained and it's not harmed you, yeah, I don't see any reason to be afraid of it. Mm-hmm. I really feel that people are wasting their time fearing something just because it can't be explained. I, I think most people can't explain how t- TV works or mm-hmm. how a computer works, and they're not afraid to watch TV or afraid to use right. a computer. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it's the way with the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do you do you go on a lot of different? Do you go to a lot of different areas when you investigate, or do you mainly investigate like at the Hayes House? Well, the Hayes House was sold. And has a new owner <clears throat> as of, I guess it was about February or March of 2019. And a little town like that, they're, they want to be very quiet about what they're doing. And I don't know why, because everybody knows that, you know, word travels fast. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly small town surrounded by, uh, you know, river and wetlands and, um, the Gulf of Mexico and a couple bays and uh, mm-hmm. protective uh, federal forests. So it's not a, a large area and it really mm-hmm. doesn't have much chance of growing in the future. So uh, I don't have permission from the new owner to okay. uh, do that. And mm-hmm. I would require some type of written permission because verbal permission doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, it just no. means that. What you have, you can't even use, so why bother? Right. Yeah. You need that written permission to do a book. Mm -hmm. If you want to put it on TV, you need written permission to put it on TV. If you want to do a movie, you need written permission to use any of the footage. Mm -hmm. That is true. you got to have all that in writing for anything anymore. Otherwise, you might And social media would be the same way. You could use it on social media, but you mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to say where you got it at or, right. you know, you just say, oh, I got these words on the obelisk or I got, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, you know, millimeter spike or I got this thermal image on my uh, TG165 mm-hmm. flare imager. You wouldn't be able to say where you got it at. Right. That is true. That is a good point. All right, we got a few more questions here that have rolled through chat. So um, the next one is, what do you fear most of the paranormal? <laughs> well, I I don't think I fear anything of the paranormal. What I fear is dying before I can convince most people that mm-hmm. I would say 60, 70, 80% of all ghosts and spirits are well-meaning spirits and ghosts, mm-hmm. just as they were well-meaning and good and decent living people. Mm-hmm. They are that way as a ghost and spirit. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see more positivity uh, given to ghosts and spirits. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully I'll be able to get a TV show to try to drive that home. It'd be nice to have a uh, TV show about preservation of uh, Victorian homes mm-hmm. on ABC, NBC, or CBS, so right. everyone get to see it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't. I, I fear more about not being able to accomplish that because I, I think that would be my mission. Uh, you know, I could go back just to being the anonymous person that does paranormal for myself and mm-hmm. doesn't uh, advertise at all. And uh, sometimes I think about that because that would be fun. It's mm-hmm. uh, tough trying to, uh, you know, have two or three camcorders and mm-hmm. trying to cover every angle of the room. And right. it's tough buying all of the... Uh, storage space you need through external hard drives. Mm-hmm. It's tough trying to save it in two locations. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes after I do a couple hours of paranormal research, I spend, you know, several hours just cataloging everything right. and storing it and mm-hmm. labeling it. Because if you don't label it, 
you're not going to remember what it is. And right. if I want to write a book, I have to do a lot of notes right while mm-hmm. I'm filming the right. one hour or two hour session. Mm-hmm. I mean, usually I might do back to back two hour sessions if everything is good and I have a, a enough storage space and I have batteries that are okay and there's no problem there. But most of the time it's, I just do an hour. And mm-hmm. by that time, whatever ghost or spirit you're talking to, they're out of energy and you're going to have to probably wait 24 hours for them to be able to utilize your equipment mm-hmm. unless another ghost or spirit comes into the, uh, you know, your environment to uh, utilize it. So I think most people should keep that in mind when they're doing paranormal research. It's ghosts of spirits don't have unlimited uh, energy to communicate with the equipment that we have today. Mm -hmm. That is true. A lot of times they use energy from your batteries and things just to get enough energy to kind of communicate with you. Yes. All right, let's see here. Next question is, what is on your bucket list? Well, I, I in a way, I kind of covered that. Yeah. I would yeah. like to uh, <laughs> teach people about uh, the good ghost, the guardian angel ghost. And I would mainly like to go to places that are single family homes, especially Victorian homes, even though I won't rule out uh, you know, doing modern motels or doing modern homes. But I like to go to places uh, that have been utilized at least for 20 or 30 years because when we pass away, we're going to spend most of our time where we love most. Maybe Mm -hmm. for me, the beach. But you're not going to go back to the place that you lived for one year while your house was being built. Right. You know, you're going to go to the house where you spent 20 or 30 years, where you mowed the lawn, uh, you know, every year and where you uh, painted the walls and where you ate your breakfast for, you know, 20 or 30 years or where you lay down and go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You're going to go back to wherever you, you know, called home. And uh, I, if you could find a house where you have, you know, maybe three or four different families who spent 20 plus years. That's like, to me, digging into a gold mine because you're probably going to get a lot of activity. And if you have the energy and you have uh, the batteries and you don't mind uh, doing uh, our paranormal research and then our cataloging and, documenting everything in the folders into your computers and your external hard drives, Mm -hmm. then you could do another hour and you might get a totally fresh family because one family might be there. And then the next family might say, well, when their energy runs out, we'll pick up, pick it up from there. And, you know, you just have to have your questions so that you know a little bit about all four families Mm -hmm. and just test waters and right. see which family comes up and answers a question that seems to be relevant to what you're asking mm-hmm. and then go from there. Yeah. And that that's why it's very important to know the history about who lived at the house or if you're doing a business, who owned a business, who worked at the business. You know, you might have a uh, a bakery where there was a baker who uh, worked there 40 years and, you know, It could be that each owner only owned it for a short period of time. So the owner might not really care about that place that much, but you might get uh, the baker who worked there for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So you have to know as much history as possible. Otherwise, your your data that you get, say, from your uh, Obelisk 5B, the words might not make any sense if you don't know the person who actually work there or live there or own the place. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a good point. And sometimes, you know, I think, well, when Kim and I are out on investigations, some of these places we've been to so many times, we may get some of the same 
spirits that we talk to. But other times there's other ones that come through that we're not sure who they are and we're not sure if it's something that we're actually catching or if, you know, they're just like they had come with, you know, like um, another group. Yeah. Like an attachment or if they're just passing by. Um, it's I, just. I think ghosts of spirits can come and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they can travel just like we can travel down the road or we can walk across the yard. I don't think they really need a, um, a certain method of travel, which some people like to call portals. I think the whole uh-huh. uh, system of a portal was overused. I think ghosts and spirits, since they're just electromagnetic energy, I think they can pretty much travel to speed of light to wherever they want to go. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they need a, a so-called portal to, uh, you know, travel from one dimension to another dimension. If anything, I find most ghosts and spirits are people too, except they're dead and mm-hmm. they want their privacy. So you might find a ghost or spirit in your closet mm-hmm. because that's one place they can go that your family is not in them. the same room. Yeah. They have their little room and most people don't have enough rooms to just give the ghost of spirit their own room so i think a lot of people find ghost of spirits in the closet because most closets you can't even walk into i mean yeah you're you know they're small and they're just for hanger clothes or storage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the ghost of spirit can go in there and kind of have their own space mm-hmm that is, that's a good point. That really is actually a good point. I mean, I'd hide in the closet too. I wouldn't want people, I'd want my privacy. I don't, I wouldn't want people harassing me all the time. I agree. And I think ghosts of spirits uh, will use a obelisk 5B and a mel meter if you set it down, more or less. If you're holding it in your hand, It'd be like me allowing someone to use my cell phone, but they have to talk on it and dial it while I'm holding it in my hand. Mm-hmm. I think ghosts of spirits, they feel like, well, if you want me to use it, let me have it. Right. And since ghosts of spirits don't have that physical body, I think if you lay it down, you'll, you'll get better results. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I do paranormal research, uh, if I'm, say, doing an hour in every room, and I did uh, at the Hayes house, I did uh, at least two one-hour sessions in each room and porch at the Hayes house. Mm-hmm. It was actually 20 chapters worth. There's 21 chapters, but the first chapter is just about the history of the uh, Buck family. It doesn't involve any uh, paranormal of the uh, Hayes house in that chapter. Mm-hmm. But if you're if you're going to do uh, paranormal research, I think it's best to, uh, you know, try to get the ghosts and spirits to feel as comfortable with you as possible. Be respectful and uh, give them an opportunity to have the equipment to themselves if you want them to utilize it. Now, with the flare thermal imager, they don't really need that because, you know, they can be off in the distance and you can still pick up a cold spot. But when it comes to the uh, mel meter and the mm-hmm. obelisk 5B, mm-hmm. I think you should just sit down on the table, back off. And if you get a spike, be close enough that you can take a picture or have a um, – video camera focused on it so that you can pick up whatever uh, the ghost or spirit chooses, whether it be a millimeter spike or a temperature change mm-hmm. or a, a word on the obelisk 5B. Yep. Let's see. I'm just looking here. We have a couple more questions before we have to start wrapping things up here. Okay. Um, Darren would like, I believe it was Darren, wants to know if you've ever been to the Winchester house. 
No, I have not. I've seen it on TV. Mm-hmm. That place looks interesting. Uh, let's see here. And then he has another question. Uh, what Victorian home baffles you the most? Well, I I don't think I've had any that have baffled me. Uh, um, the 1880 Victorian in St. Augustine, I did uh, paranormal research there uh, about mm, a little over a year ago, I guess. And I had a situation there. It's the latest situation that I remember where there was a uh, um, a young lady, and it's it's like a four bedroom uh, Airbnb. Mm-hmm. So you don't know who else is there. And the common areas, anyone staying there can utilize them. And I actually thought this young lady was a member of the family, and. Uh, First time I saw her, the owner and his family was there, and uh, he had invited me to sit down and talk with him. The only problem was all four chairs, rocking chairs out on the front porch, were being utilized. And uh, there was a a younger lady in the uh, um, rocking chair closest to the... uh, door where you go in so i i thought well maybe i heard him wrong because my hearing's not that good and i uh i looked at the young lady and she kept smiling and i thought well that's strange that she kept smiling like that and uh i asked her i said are you still in school and um the owner answered me and he kind of got a puzzled look on his face like you know i'm uh no, I'm I'm at, I'm through with school. Uh-huh. He said he had a degree and all. So uh, apparently it was a, a ghost or a spirit, and mm-hmm. no one was trying to get over on me. Oh my goodness! And uh, even though even though I, I consider myself to be a seasoned veteran, uh, you know, sometimes ghosts and spirits look as real flesh and blood as you know you and I, and right. you can't tell. The difference. At least mm-hmm. I wasn't able to. Right. And yeah. I'm, you know, to admit that. So if I can't tell the difference, I would imagine someone with less experience well, wouldn't even think about it. Right. Exactly. They think they are just talking to like you or I instead of an actual yeah. spirit. Yeah. And a lot of times that's the way ghosts of spirits are. Mm-hmm. They're not there to scare you. They're just there to communicate. But I, mm-hmm. uh, I hope to go back and, and try to see if I can, you know, pick up on this ghost of spirit again. I, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I would say, I don't know if that falls under most people's opinion of being baffled, but it, it certainly, uh, you know, I was able to be fooled. Right. And, uh, I, uh, I was, uh, I guess flabbergasted by it. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I haven't, I haven't come across that yet. I'm just waiting for the day where I actually sit there and like, I'm looking at, you know, somebody like you or Kim or something. And then it's actually a spirit. I'm just waiting for that day. I haven't actually had it yet that I'm aware of, but you never know. It could happen any day, any time. You just never know. And for our listeners, it may have already happened to them. Right. And they'll never know because how many people do you pass throughout your day that you'll mm-hmm. never see again. Right. So if it was a ghost or spirit, you know, had I not had the owner's family there where I could ask them. Right. You know, well, I thought it was the ghost or spirit told me that she was the daughter of the owner. Oh. You know, which uh-huh. the owner. Yeah. I met the owner's daughter later. I was there like two months doing paranormal research. Uh, towards the end of that two month period, I met the owner's daughter. And I I looked at him and I said, you have two daughters. And that's how I found out about the the other uh, young lady uh, was a ghost or a spirit. Wow. That gives me chills just thinking about it. Now I'm going to be like questioning everybody I see this weekend. I'm going to be like, (laughs) are you you a person or are you a spirit? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it happens. It, it, it happened to me, and uh, I wish I, I would have caught on. Uh, I should have caught on because most women don't have uh, a smile on their face like that. I mean, uh-huh. I, I can only remember women having that type of smile on their face when I was younger, and they were falling in love with me. <laughs> and I just thought that smile was just kind of uh, kind of unusual for for me being, you know, 60 some years old. I thought, why she keep smiling? Yeah. So if that ever happens again, that's going to tip me off that uh, she's probably a ghost or spirit. That's right. That's right. OK, we have uh, time for one more question. This is kind of a running question. Darren asks it to every guest that has been on our podcast. And he kind of keeps a tally of this. He wants to know what is the one object in this world that you would not want to be haunted? What is the one object that you would not want to be haunted? Uh huh. Yep. Huh. I never really thought much about it. Uh... Um, that's a tough one. I haven't ran across too many haunted objects other than ghosts or spirits. Uh, Mm -hmm. and if I did, I didn't realize they were haunted. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess if anything, I don't, well, it has to be an object. Can't be a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's a tough one. I guess maybe my car, because if my car was haunted, it could Auto accident? That's yeah. the only logical thing to think of. That's what I picked, too. That's what I, I said. I would not want my... I don't need help. I've had, Like I've said in other ones, I've had enough accidents on my own. I don't need a car to be haunted to like increase that for me. <laughs> yeah, it would be... Uh, that would not be good. No. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay. So, um... We'll start to wrap things up here. Um, so, again, why don't you go ahead and I know you said it earlier, but for people that are just joining us or maybe joined later. Car is a quiet second in the poll. Oh, okay. Kim said car is second in the poll. Okay. Anyways, why don't you give out your information? So, <laughs> so if anybody wants to follow you or find your book, where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Well, my book, The Hayes House Ghost or People 2, is available online at um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, and Second and Charles. Uh, my Facebook page is PetCat2006. That's P-E-T-C-A-T-2006. If you have a... Um, Victorian home and you'd like to contact me uh, via email about uh, me doing paranormal research there. My email address is PETCAT2006 at yahoo.com. Awesome. Um, We'll get that information. I'm also on Instagram Mm -hmm. and uh, Twitter. Okay, perfect. So make sure you guys go check out Keith Evans, check out his book, check him out, see what he's all about. Um, I'd like to thank everybody who was in chat tonight. I'll give quick shout outs to everybody who was in chat. We had Kim, myself, we had Darren, Matt, Shay, Mama Deb. Thank you for joining us in chat tonight. Thank you for everybody who was not in chat, but listening. We appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I'd like to give a quick shout out to everybody um we hit our over 5000 downloads so thank you everybody for the support we appreciate it um without you guys we wouldn't be here so thank you once again and thank you to our special guest Keith Evans again for being on um awesome information um love that you want to preserve the victorian um homes and still mind-boggling that you were three or four years old and so interested in like the wood details and things of those places you just wouldn't think of that you know um but thank you again for being on it was a pleasure and like i said thank you everybody
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, next week we'll be on. Um, I think we're going to talk about um, probably the expo. We're going to be going to an expo this weekend. So we'll probably talk about that next weekend. Week after that, um, there is a possibility I am in the works. Um, I just got to get a hold of this person manager and they may be on on the 8th um, if they are not out of state at that time. So keep um, keep watching out for that information to see who that um, surprise guest may be. And then we'll be coming up on our 100th episode soon. So you'll have to stay tuned for that because we might have something in store for that as well. So. Thank you, everybody, and thank you, Keith, for being on. Uh, we appreciate it, each and every one of you again. And like I said, next Thursday, join us again at 8, 7 Central. Peace out, everybody. Thank you for listening to REP Paranormal and Friends. Be sure to check out Kim and Allison on Facebook at REP Paranormal Busters. 